With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Rolling Thunder podcast brought to you by Welcome to Loud City. I am Ben Mertens. I'm joined today by J.D. Taylor and Clemente. And guys, the trade deadline came and went. Oklahoma City was not as active as I think some people thought they might be, but they did make one pretty major trade. They shipped out George Hill, uh, which was predicted literally since the moment he joined the Thunder. George Hill was sent to the Philadelphia 76ers in a three-way trade with the Sixers and the Knicks. Oklahoma City gets back Tony Bradley, center from the Sixers. Two second-round picks, which are Phillies 2025 and 2026 second-round picks. And uh, as a and Austin Rivers from the Knicks. And as a side note, uh, old friend Terrence Ferguson went from not playing in Philadelphia to not playing in New York as part of this trade as well. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's talk about this. Um, what did you guys think of the return for George Hill? Did you think... Thunder should have got more based on the other deals out there. Is this about as well as they could have done? What you, would you think, J.D.? I think when uh, Fournier got dealt for the two seconds to Boston earlier in the day, it set the market and set the market price. And that's, that was what the going rate for a good role player was going to be. And the Thunder kind of got what was in line with that, you know, two second round picks. And then got a decent young player in Tony Bradley, who's been doing really well in Philly recently in the last couple of weeks who's kind of kept them going while uh, Embiid's been out with injury. I think it's a good trade, honestly, in the end. I, I think we all hoped that we'd get a first-round pick, but then if it wasn't, if that's what the price in the market was, then that was kind of an unrealistic dream as it was. I'm personally happy with this trade. George Hill was never going to stay on the Thunder. He was always going to get traded at some point. And to move him now and you get back a young player and a couple of second-round picks, it's just good for me. What about you, Clemente? The return was decent. Um, like JD said, Evan Fernie said, set the market with his two second round picks. And the fact that they were able to get two second round picks in the future in 2025-2026, I think that makes it a little bit better because I think teams are going to be infatuated with those picks since they're so far in the future and they're just mysterious as to like where they're going to land. So I can see teams convincing themselves like, hey, uh, those picks can land anywhere 2025-2026. Joel Embiid's going to be past his prime. So has Ben Simmons. They might not even be on the team anymore at that point. So, and that's another point. I mean, we're see, we're seeing OKC stock up on picks. I think they're like in the mid thirties at this point. And I'm seeing some people mention like, there's no way, there's no way possible because he's gonna like keep every single one of their picks. And like, yeah, it's they're not. I think, I think we all know what they're gonna do, which is you know, uh, trade picks and packages for players that they like or for uh, or if they want to move up in drafts. I think right now you could realistically say, say that OKC could probably trade for any player in the league <laughs> with the amount of picks they have. So it's just, uh, I think it was a good, it was a good haul. They added a couple of picks and yeah, George Hill. I feel like guys, I feel like some Thunder fans were overvaluing George Hill, but like, that's not just a Thunder thing. It's just the sports fans in general, because you you get to watch these guys play on a game to game basis. You tend to overvalue them a bit, but George Hill for what he produces and what he, uh, provides I thought two second round picks was a good return yeah I think 
That's right. So the it is now Oklahoma City has 17 future first round picks and 17 future se- uh, second round picks for a grand total of 34. Um, as uh, all fans of this podcast know, of course, you can only have 15 players on roster in the NBA. So they are definitely going to trade those picks at some point and they can, you know, forever that's going to be whatever disgruntled superstar becomes available at some point in the future when Oklahoma City is is more ready to go all in. I think they're going to be able to beat almost any other team's offer, which is a good position to be in. Uh, there's no way they're spending all those picks, as you said. As for the return, um, I think the Fournier thing is a good point. The one difference, I guess, between George Hill is George Hill is not an expiring contract like Fournier. If so train for Fournier and the Celtics are going to have to resign him. Um, George Hill is under contract for one more year with a, like a weird non-guarantee. So if he's terrible, the Sixers can get rid of him and only pay him a million dollars. If he's good, they can keep him at that $10 million number. But George Hill is also way older than Evan Fournier. Um, he's a good playoff player. Yeah, I think the first round pick thing was the best you were going to do for George Hill, not the uh, not the floor. Um, and be two second round picks plus Tony Bradley, you're, you're getting relatively close-ish, close-ish to the value of first round pick because Tony Bradley is a young player who's who's decent against center is, you know, kind of not the most valuable position. Oklahoma city has a lot of young big guys already, but I think since Horford rests every other game, if not more, we'll see some Bradley down the stretch of the season. And if Oklahoma city needs uh, someone to kind of hold down the starting center spot, if they move on from Horford in the summer, that could be Bradley next year. He's been decent uh, starting for the sectors in place and Embiid, like JD said. Um, yeah. So all in all, not a bad trade. Um, George L, like you said, was not, is way off this team's timeline. Um, I think they probably didn't want to bring him back next year, and if they could, because they want to uh, give all the guard minutes to these younger guys who are going to be hopefully part of the team's long-term future. Um, and yeah, two second-round picks isn't quite a first-round pick. I'm sure they would have liked another first, but I don't think the first-round picks got traded today for like Nikola Vucevic, who's an All-Star. It wasn't getting traded for these kind of like role-player starter guys like George Hill or Fournier, so the deal probably just wasn't out there. So. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, isn't quite the most, uh, not as exciting as, you know, the Chris Paul trade or the Russell Westbrook trade or anything like that. But every time Oklahoma city trades a point guard, they get a little more value. So not bad at all. How much, uh, have you guys seen of Tony Bradley? Like how much have you actually watched? Um, and what do you, do you think he comes in as like the starter? Do you think it's, he starts when Horford's out? Do you think it affects Moses Brown's minutes? What do you guys think about Tony Bradley? Uh, I haven't seen much of Bradley play, but just looking at his stats, he seems to do a pretty respectable job whenever he needed to start for Embiid. But I think Bradley probably fits the same sort of criteria as like Savi does, where they're both going to be restricted free agents this summer, and they're basically the Thunder are going to have like a good like twenty game, thirty game sample of these guys, and that way they can figure out whether or not they think uh, they could potentially be part of the Thunder's future timeline and extend them. I think it's a case that I watched a bit of Bradley uh, when he played last year in Utah when he came off the bench behind mm. uh, Rudy Gobert. And at that point, I thought he looked a little bit overmatched. He didn't look quite ready. But then it's kind of that was a difficult situation for him to go into because Utah are very used to having two experienced room protectors on their roster, you know, Gobert and Favors. And when he obviously slides into those minutes, he was did not look entirely comfortable in those minutes. But I think apparently from what I've heard from from Philly fans this season, he's been you know pretty serviceable, uh, makes good decisions, rebounds the ball well, is very good at protecting the rim, and I think that that's a good thing for the Thunder to have. I mean, the Thunder have already got Moses, which is nice, and they've added Bradley to that equation, and now Presti's got two bigs that they can evaluate 
that they can evaluate in-house and decide which one they want to go with uh, forward. In terms of when he hits free agency this summer, it does not have to be a big deal. Say you sign him to, you know, a relatively small deal, because I don't think he's going to command, you know, a six, seven, eight million dollar deal in free agency because he's not got the profile and he's not got the numbers or anything along those lines. And then for that, say, two or three year period, you evaluate him and you see which one you want to go with uh, down the line. Obviously, Moses is, you know, make it as getting highlights every single game at this point and has put in strong performances. So having that ability to compare them with information that you've directly gathered is probably even quite useful to Sam. Yep. Um, Joel Embiid had tweeted out a few weeks ago that it was time to build around Tony Bradley. Obviously, Presti saw that tweet. Uh, that's why he wanted to make the trade. I think Bradley's solid. Um, I think Moses Brown is solid, too. I think they're good at different things from what I've seen of Bradley a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they both get played uh, down the stretch here. And I wouldn't be surprised. So obviously, right, if Oklahoma City ends up spending their own draft pick or hopefully Houston's draft pick on a center, that'll change things. But if they roll into next season with Horford, Tony Bradley, Moses Brown, that's an okay center rotation. And they might trade Horford out midway through the season. And Bradley can probably lock it down as like, you know, not a superstar by any means, but like a decent-ish, below average for a starting center, above average for a backup probably um, type of center. So he and Brown can probably hold on the center rotation next year if that's what Oklahoma City wants to do. Um, and of course, Roby sometimes plays the five too. So they have a lot of different options there. It gives them a little extra optionality. And I think he's going to be cheap to your point. Um, JD, I see him getting a relatively small deal in restricted free agency, especially because he's restricted. So it gets, he can match if some other team does make him an offer. That'll probably keep the price down. Um, and again, they might roll in. I don't know if Horford's going to get moved this summer. They might roll into next season with Horford still as, you know, the starting center on the team. So then having Bradley and Moses Brown as backups behind him is fine. And guys who can kind of step into that starting role if they move on from Horford. Um, that's really all my Tony Bradley thoughts. I'm excited to see him a little more down the stretch. As we said, Al Horford only plays like every other game at this point. So we'll probably see plenty of both Tony Bradley and Moses Brown down the stretch. If you're a big Moses Brown fan, I wouldn't worry too much about Tony Bradley taking his minutes. There's going to be enough to go around. Uh, down the stretch of the season here. So let's talk about the guys who, who didn't get traded. So Mike, must, we talked about maybe Mike Muscala getting traded, maybe Kenrick Williams getting traded, maybe Justin Jackson getting traded, um, like, and maybe Al Horford getting traded. Horford's contract, I think, was just too big, and he's definitely too big to get uh, to get bought out now. He'll still be on roster this for the rest of the season. Maybe OKC trades him next summer, maybe during the season next year. But I could see Muscala getting bought out. Um, I could see Austin Rivers, who just got brought in, getting bought out, and then Kendrick Williams, Justin Jackson, I think, are kind of in that mold, too. What would you guys uh, do in press issues if some if these guys were looking for buyouts? Would you buy them out? Who would you want to keep? I think I'd keep Kenrich. I think Kenrich is definitely, I think, given his contracts and how cheap it is, uh, given what production he brings to the Thunder, you can easily kind of see him being part of, say, the two- or three-year vision of the team. I think Justin Jackson, I would buy him out because I don't think he's materially significant to the Thunder. I think as a player, he's been valuable in the minutes that he's played, but he's very much a fringe rotation guy. And if he wants a buyout, he can have a buyout. I think with Mike, uh, I love Mike Muscala. I think he's done really well for the Thunder this year. But I kind of think that it's kind of run its course a little bit. He's got a different probably got a different uh, aspiration in his career now. And his is probably now to go play on a contending team and try to, you know, work his way towards a championship. And he won't do that in Oklahoma City. So buying him out seems to make sense. Uh, Austin Rivers, I thought that the Thunder probably could have tried to, de- could have tried to deal him before 
the trade deadline. I thought Milwaukee would have been a good landing spot for him, but I don't think a trade gets done now. I don't think the whole Thunder hold on to him into the offseason. I'd buy him out and let him go do what he wants to do. I don't see the point in keeping him around. Yeah, as the greatest free agent signing in Oklahoma City history, Mike Muscala has definitely had a proud tenure with the franchise. Um, but they just brought – right, Mike Muscala pretty much has to play center. He can shoot, so you can play him with a big man like Roby, but he's not um, swift enough to be a, a defender at the four. So they just brought in Tony Bradley. Horford's still going to play every other game. Roby plays some at the five and some at the four. Moses Brown needs to play. There's just not many minutes for Muscala in the rotation. Also, he keeps accidentally winning Oklahoma City games, which they're not really trying to do down the stretch here. So I don't think he'll play see many minutes if he does stay. So I think it, it probably doesn't make sense for him to get bought out. Andrew Williams has been really good this year, especially for a guy making two million bucks. So I definitely think they'll keep him around. I think Justin Jackson has been okay too. Um, but he's youngish, so maybe Oklahoma City does just keep him involved. Also, if he got bought out, right? If uh, Mike Muscala or like Austin Rivers gets bought out, I think contenders will try to jump on those guys to fill out the rotation. I don't actually know if any contender really wants to bring in Justin Jackson if they really feel like that's the piece that they're missing. So maybe he just stays for that reason. And it's with Austin Rivers, I think it's going to come down to what he wants, right? If he just says like, I don't want to play in Oklahoma City, then they'll probably buy him out. But if he's willing to play, the one reason I could see them keeping him around is um, George Hill got sent out in this trade. Obviously, he hasn't played in a while, but he won't be playing any more minutes for the Thunder. And it sounds like Shea Gilgis-Alexander's injury is rather significant. So the Thunder are actually a little bit short on guards. All of a sudden, it's just Maladon, um, Ty Jerome, and, who are ball handlers, and then Mahaliuk, who's not a ball handler at all. And, like, Lou Dort kind of does some ball handling for them. He's always more of a forward than a guard. Um, and, again, Austin Rivers is not, like, a run-your-offense through him. He's more of a scoring guard, but he is a guy who can, like, bring the ball up and initiate some offense. So I guess he could kind of eat some minutes for Oklahoma City in that role. It's, I guess, more of a question with – if Austin Rivers wants to do that, or if he'd rather just get bought out and go to a contender, I think. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. But I think with Rivers is that he's been on, obviously before he joined the Knicks this summer, he was on Houston for two years. He played in the Clippers for three years. And both of those were teams that went and did, you know, had deep runs in the playoffs. Well, the Rockets did. <laughs> the Clippers didn't actually get that deep. No. But I think he's kind of got acclimatized and quite got accustomed to yeah. playing playoff basketball. He won't want to spend, um, you know, six, seven weeks in Oklahoma City um, playing meaningless games effectively. Well, what we assume will be meaningless games that are not being televised with nothing like that. And in that sort of situation as well, if for his own career, if nobody's watching him perform or nobody's taking any notice of his performances, when he next hits free agency, his own value of his contracts are going to go down. It's in his interest to get bought out, get to a market where he can get to the playoffs, have a couple of good performances. And then so when his next contract comes around, he can earn a little bit more money. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Clemente, you got any any more thoughts on the, on these guys or do you want to move on? Well, I mean, I tweeted out earlier, like a list of guys who could potentially be bought out from OKC. And like Myers Landers has been bought out already. Austin Rivers, the Athletic reported that the funder will likely buy him out as well. Okay. Mike Muscala, I mean, that's an obvious one. I think uh, he's been a good soldier. He's done everything that the organization asked for him. I feel like they'll probably do him a solid and buy him out, especially since he hasn't played at all the second half of the season. So there's really no point of like having him on the roster. And like... But on top of that, I was surprised that, like, he wasn't traded at all. I mean, Muscala was averaging career-high points. He was shooting the three-pointer uh, as well as he has his entire career. 
So I was surprised there wasn't a market there for him. But he's another buyout candidate. Justin Jackson, like you guys said. Someone you guys didn't mention was uh, Darius Miller. I mean, I could see them potentially yeah, buying out Miller. <laughs> it's easy to forget about Miller, but <laughs> I think he's making around $7 million this year. And, I mean, he came back from his Achilles injury. And, I mean, he's shown that he can shoot the ball still. So he could potentially be like another cheap uh, three-point shooting option for a contender if OKC buys him out. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think that kind of does it for trade deadline stuff, but we can kind of move into our next thing we're going to talk about, which is something we touched on a second ago anyways, is Shea Gilders-Alexander is probably going to miss significant time. I haven't seen actual timetable, but it's, he has uh, plantar fasciitis, right? Um, and his foot and Dagnold said before the game yesterday, I think that it was going to be significant time, not just a day-to-day thing. Um, so obviously what I think that means is He's probably going to miss at least a couple of weeks and the Thunder are going to be very cautious about bringing him back because he's the future of the team, their best player, and they're not exactly rushing him back for a playoff push, right? Like Joel Embiid or LeBron might try to rush back from injuries to be part of a team's playoff push. The Thunder aren't making a playoff push this year. I think they honestly um, would be pretty are pretty okay with Shea taking an easy time back from this injury because the less games Shea plays, the less the chance they accidentally win more games than they're supposed to, although they have done that anyways this week, even without Shea. Um, but between the trade that got made today and possibly Shea missing some significant time down the stretch, just what do you guys kind of foresee happening the rest of the season for OKC? I kind of think that judging by what from Coach Mark's tone in the press conference uh, yesterday, it kind of feels like Shea's going to be out for a good amount of time for a while. It didn't seem like he was particularly upbeat or didn't seem that he was particularly positive about Shea coming back soon. It seemed like he was resigned to the fact that Shea's going to be out for a decent amount of time. And with Shea being out, well, that's kind of the main offensive driver for the Thunder being taken out of the rotation for, what, three, four weeks, potentially. And if that happens, as we've seen, the Thunder will start to lose games because with all with the best will in the world, Lou Dort is a very good player, but he's still learning learning how to be comfortable as a point guard. The same goes with Teo Maladon. I thought against the Grizzlies yesterday, like, you can clearly see that he was having a couple of issues in terms of being the lead playmaker for the Thunder when the responsibility was on him. He kind of looked a little bit uh, overwhelmed at times. I kind of think that this is probably part of the plan for the Thunder, is that if you take your time with Shea, you kind of stealth tank a little bit. Uh, you lose a lot of games these next three, four weeks, and then you put yourself in a position where you're getting closer to being in the top five in terms of, in terms of uh, losing records. I can't see the Thunder rushing Shea, and I think it's probably best if he takes it, his, if they take the rehab seriously, because plantar fasciitis is a very serious injury in terms of, and I don't think it's easily cured, and it can get worse over time. So, might as well be uh, safe and careful with it now when he's young, instead of this becoming an issue, say, in two, three years down the line. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, JD. Um... I think there's more reasons for Shea to set out than there are reasons for him to come back this season. And you highlighted some of them, like plantar fasciitis. It's one of those injuries where you can't really do anything about it. You just got to let the body rest. And there's no reason to rush him back either. And plus, that will also help, like you mentioned, with the Thunder losing more games because SGA has basically been this team's entire offense. So 
I really, I really think, uh, I really think that SGA probably played his last game of the season. I think it's pretty safe to say that there's only about five, six weeks left in the season. And from what I saw online, this type of injury takes around three, four weeks to recover from. So at that point, there's really no point in bringing SGA back just to play like a handful of games. So yeah, I think the best course of action is just to let him rest and like not risk anything because, like you said, like this this is something that could linger throughout his entire career, and you don't want him to like. Uh, suffer this type of injury early on during a season where the results of the games really don't mean much. Yeah, 100%. Um, this season, Oklahoma City, when Shea plays, has an offensive rate of about 108 points per 100 possessions, which is like average-ish. It's not spectacular, but it's average-ish. And without him, it goes down to 102 points per 100 possessions, which is like very bottom of the league. Um, the only reason their net rating is any good at all without Shea is that their defense has been pretty decent without him, which I think is mostly just noise and that it's probably going to get worse as the season continues if he misses more time. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of Maladon, Dork, even Ty Jerome running things. And as we've seen, like, it's kind of a good learning experience for them, right? Maladon can run a very basic pick and roll, especially with like a big guy like Moses Brown, who can kind of like catch the ball, take a dribble and then do something, but he doesn't make any like super high level reads. Um, and Dort, when he runs pick and roll or initiates things, it's a lot of him driving to the lane, trying to get his own shot up. Um, those, both of them can kind of make the, either the easy pass to the corner or the dump off to the, the roller in the pick and roll, but they're not making any uh, really spectacular plays out of it. So just give them a lot of reps. Any development is good because I think Dort we see as someone who's going to be part of this team going forward along with SGA um, and both his three-point shot and just his ability to make plays with the ball and sand, those things coming around are going to Say his how valuable he can be as an offensive player, which is going to be important to the Thunder going forward. Because again, we saw what it can do to your team when you have a player like Andre Roberson, who's the Dort level of defense, but just gives you very little on offense. So Dort being able to become more of a playmaker is good. Maladon has definitely had a, you know, I think he's going to get a lot of he's getting his first national attention because of the the bad missed double dunk play. Uh, from the game the other night, which is really unfortunate because I think he's had a pretty decent rookie season, especially for a second round pick. Um, so I just want to continue to see him to get more time out there. Um, he mostly plays off the ball a lot. Um, you don't, despite being, you know, a nominal point guard, you don't see him initiate as much offense. I'd love to see more of that down the stretch of the season. Cause I think that's hopefully what the Thunder want to see from him going forward. Um, so it'll be an opportunity for those guys. And yeah, the Thunder right now, um, I want to say of the, the they're in, they have the eighth worst record right now. So the, the positive way looking at the eighth best odds at the uh, getting the number one pick in the lottery. I think they would love to fall behind like Toronto, Cleveland, Washington, get more into the top five range. Um, they're not going to catch Minnesota, Detroit, or Houston. Those are teams that dedicated themselves to tanking that put in the work all season long. And you see the results of that. I mean, 10 wins, you just got to tip your hat to Minnesota being that bad. But um, I do think OKC could improve their lottery odds a little bit while also giving time to Maladon, Dort, let Poku take as many shots as he wants, see what Tony Bradley and Moses Brown can do. Uh, I think Clemente, you might be right, this might be the last we see Shea Gilders-Alexander this season just because why bring him back for the last, like, five games of the season? He'll probably be ready then, and maybe he pushes for it. But at that point, your fate is pretty much sealed unless there's a chance to improve your lottery odds further. So we might not see any more of him, which is unfortunate because he had a great season, but hopefully we see him next year with more talents around him. And two or three years from now, we see him making a deep playoff run with uh, no plantar fasciitis in his foot. So, yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, they're going to be very cautious bringing him back and wouldn't be surprised if we just don't see him at all. You guys got any other any other big thoughts on the Thunder? If not, we could uh, 
talk a little bit just about the trade deadline in general for the last couple of minutes here. What uh, what non-Thunder deals did you guys either like or, or really not like? I thought the Rockets uh, <laughs> handling of Victor Oladipo was pretty hilarious. <laughs> they're, they're basically the joke of the day on social media. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing, man. Like, <laughs> I guess they're trying to do a skinny rebuild where they're trying to be competitive, but like, rebuild at the same time as well. I don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> they're doing that. It's not working because they lost 20 games in a row this season, right? Yeah. Even with, uh, I mean, I know they had injuries, so I don't want to like be too harsh on that, but the idea was like, oh, we're not going to be bad. We're going to have John Wall. They won an Oladipo over Karis Levert in the hard trade, and they brought in Christian Wood, and they're still just awful. Yeah, I mean, those those rocket swaps are looking better and better by the day. <laughs> yeah, we have their pick this year if it falls outside the top four. And even if Houston um, finishes with, like, one of the top four worst records, there's still a 48% chance, I think, it would fall outside the top four and we would get it. So Oklahoma City could have two really nice picks this year as a result of the Rockets' uh, interesting decisions they've made. I think one of the interesting things is that Christian Woods only got two years left on his deal after this season. So they kind of have to be good if they want to have any chance of keeping Wood around. And even then, I think that's difficult because he's got paid now. He's got his money. Mm-hmm. He hit free agency as a 27-year-old who will have good stats, you know, good reputation nationally. And he'll have his pick of the teams where he can go to and go and try to be on a contender and win something. And if he leaves, their rebuild is set back years effectively you're not talking about a one or two year rebuild anymore you're talking about a rebuild that's four or five years in terms of the and I think that's going to really be a big issue for Houston in terms of the other trades which I liked I thought the Aaron Gordon trade was really nice by Denver I thought they lost a lot with Jeremy Grant in terms of having a bit of in terms of having a versatile forward uh, you can play the four or the three pretty comfortably and can guard you know a big wing or you know like a fairly mobile power forward. Jermichael Green is a good player, but he doesn't fill that role and neither does Paul Millsap. I think Gordon brings a bit of that. And then I think he brings a bit of juice in terms of his cutting and his movement off the ball. If you can get him to curb his shot selection, which is quite frankly awful, I think Denver managed to really reinforce their roster and they're better. I think, to be honest, I would say that they're the second best team in the West now. They're better than the Clippers who got worse with the Rondo trade. I mean... Denver have done really well. And I think if the Lakers are injured, it's a very even series. And I think it'd be quite interesting. Yeah, on the Rockets, um, Christian Wood keeps playing this well and is in line for like a huge deal. Tony Fertina might be too cheap to pay him anyway, so maybe that resor- uh, resolves itself. But um, the Rockets need to have their pick not convey this year. They need to have it be in the top four so they can bring in another cornerstone. And conversely, Oklahoma City... The energy I want Oklahoma City fans to bring into the draft lottery is remember every time you've had to deal with how obnoxious the Rockets are in the playoff series in the past um, with the energy that some of their their Twitter fan base brings sometimes. Just remember that energy going into the draft lottery and let's power that to us getting their pick um, because it will be so, so funny. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, on just overall final trade stuff, um, did not like the Rondo – the Lou Williams for Rondo deal one bit. I don't think it helps the Clippers at all. I think they, the Clippers saw that they, everyone saw that they needed some, a point guard, but I think what they needed in a point guard is someone who could get to the basket because they have no one who gets to the basket and they don't try any free throws. And so they got Rondo who doesn't do that at all. He is a good playmaker. And I know the playoff Rondo thing, but I think Lou will is as valuable in a playoff series as Rondo, which is to say neither of them are that valuable. Um, I kind of did like the, I made fun of it at first, but, 
I kind of did like the Bulls going for Vucevic. Vucevic is kind of older, but Zach Levine is older than people realize too. I think he's in the prime of his career now. The Bulls have been on the playoffs for six years. I don't think this makes them a championship team, but makes them a more solid playoff team. Um, and, you know, if you've been out of the playoffs for a long time, right, if you're going to rebuild, you should do it the way Oklahoma City is. But if you're kind of stuck in the middle there and you haven't been in the playoffs in a while, I don't hate taking swinging for Vucevic. They gave up a couple picks for him and Wendell Carter, who kind of looks like a bust. They'll probably be a solid playoff team for a couple of years. Maybe if they're really good, they can use that um, that success to either draw in free agents or make an, or work another trade. Maybe Pat Williams, who they took number four this year, like really pops, and all of a sudden you have three really good players. Didn't hate it. Um, I, did, I did tweet out when it happened, like all this, and they're still going to be worse than if they just kept Jimmy Butler. But that was the old regime. I think the new regime is trying to do something different and. Vooch, uh, Zach Levine is going to be an interesting combo um, in the playoffs. So I'm actually going to watch more of the more of the Bulls the rest of the season. So from that standpoint, I guess the trade's a success. And for Oklahoma City, um, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover on this episode. So uh, J.D. Clemente, thanks for joining me. Everyone out there, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Have a good one, guys.